Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Interviewing top sports personalities from around the nation in order to provide you next-level insight and analysis into your Cleveland Browns. Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. And now, here is your host, Brad Ward. Welcome in to another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. I am your host, Brad Ward. This is another quick-hitter edition as we are... Uh, midday Thursday, October 20th, the year 2022. This is a Blue Wire podcast production. Mikey behind the virtual glass doing his thing per usual. Um, in examining this defense, the Cleveland Browns defense, there's a couple things that I wanted to hit on. Uh, and we started to hit on this with Jared Mueller the other night. Um, but I want to revisit it for a moment. Um, the off-season decision to not expend resources or assets on the interior defensive line has been a massive miscalculation by this front office. So Andrew Barry, Paul D. Podesta, Kevin Stefanski, Joe Woods, uh, their decision to, I guess this was an analytics trend that the AFC was going to be loaded. We expected a lot of uh, high-flying, high-powered AFC offenses, and the Browns wanted to build a defense that was equipped to handle uh, those type of offenses. Now, what has happened is, in that process, they said, "Hey, we're not going to, we're not going to really spend." On the interior defensive line, we're not going to really use a lot of assets or draft picks or uh, free agency money, or we're not going to allot a large amount of uh, capital, cash, or cap space towards this position because uh, we don't think it's that important because we can invite teams to run, and if they're running at us, they're not throwing, and analytically uh, it says that you're better off when teams are running the ball and not throwing on you. Okay. I listened to it. I heard it. We all saw that it was a very bad interior defensive line on paper, but we said, okay. And, you know, Miles Garrett clowning on the ends. It might work. I said at the time, the only way that this doesn't work or it can't work is if you're so bad up there that you look like the Chargers last year who kind of subscribed to the same theory uh, a year prior and they were given a 14 yards a run or 15 yards a run or, you know, just getting gashed up and down the field. And that's what's happened with the Browns. Uh, their interior defensive line is terrible. 
at this point. Uh, their linebacker play is also terrible. Safety play even worse. A uh, couple corners, I think I would give like okay if we're looking at individually. MJ Emerson has been pretty damn good. Uh, Newsom has been good. Ward has been very bad, despite being the best corner on this team. Um, Grant Delpit also falls in the category of very bad. Same with Jacob Phillips. In fact, those two guys uh, are probably the biggest culprits in this defense or responsible for this defense not performing in a way that it should based on the talent we saw on paper. So, their calculation that we don't need to spend on the interior defense line, we can invite the run. Here's what has happened. Um, In doing that, you're expecting to face off against high-powered offenses like Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs. You could throw, not right now, but the Bengals in there when they're playing well offensively and Joe Burrow is playing well offensively, you could throw them in that mix too, uh, as well as a number of other teams, right? But that's besides the point. The point is that's what they built this around. We'll invite those teams to run versus, you know, uh, eliminating that from them uh, and just letting them pass all over us. So that was the plan. Plan has failed. Here's a couple reasons why. A, you haven't played any of those really good quarterbacks with the exception of Justin Herbert, who was dinged up, and you did a pretty good job against him in the pass game. You just couldn't stop the run. So once again, it, it okay, I'll listen to this plan. Unless you're giving up 15 yards of carry and you can't stop anybody at all, and that was the case against the Chargers. So, Fail. Right? F. F, F, F. Fucking F. So, the second thing is you faced average to below average quarterbacks. So, the list is Baker Mayfield, Joe Flacco, Mitch Mitchell, Trubisky, uh, Marcus Mariota, and Bailey Zappi. Now, what do teams do with poor or below average quarterbacks? They run the football. And when these teams have ran the football, uh, they've had a great deal of success. Um, Now, this dysfunction on this football team isn't just against the run. They've also had gaps and misunderstandings and Uh, breakdowns in the secondary uh, and not been very good in coverage as well. But uh, mainly the past few weeks, the run game has been uh, stopping the run game has been terrible. So there is a reason why you didn't want to spend there because you thought you could invite teams to run. You expecting to play high powered offenses. You haven't. You've played a bunch of average and middling quarterbacks, and those teams like to run the football, so you've gotten beaten up and gashed because you're very light in the box and your defensive tackles aren't very good. Plus, you lost at Anthony Walker Jr., which was a huge part of this, right? 
So, um, a miscalculation by De Podesta and Barry as far as uh, you know roster construction as a whole, in my opinion. Um, now, it isn't just the teams they played either. So, as far as trends go, if you look around the NFL, points are down almost two points a game, a, a game uh, per team. Pardon me, per team, uh, per game, which is a good amount. And teams are running the ball more. And the reason this is happening, uh, and it was even pointed out by... Well, Jared pointed it out the other night on our show, and then I watched uh, Aaron Rodgers on McAfee, and he said the same thing. Teams are being forced to run the ball because opponents are just sitting in that shell in shell coverages, refusing to give up the big play. And it's forcing teams to run the ball, but they're actually running the ball with some success. Um, and so another, as far as the league goes, league trends, another miscalculation by the Browns. Not the way they thought this was going to go, right? Clearly. All right. Point two on the defense. You break down in coverage against the Jets. You break down in coverage multiple times against the Panthers, and then it continues to be an issue, uh, even up until you know last week where you've got Delpit just falling down, trying to get physical at the line of scrimmage, and Hunter Henry walking in the end zone. You've got... JOK and Delpit running into each other and Jonu Smith going for 50 yards. You've got multiple plays like that where guys are just ending up wide open due to uh, poor coverage, miscommunications, and just not being very damn good on the back end of this defense. So it's not just one level. It's all three levels, right? But um, what has happened as far as this defense goes in my opinion, or I will present this, because I can't say that they're not doing it, but just something that, that pops into my mind. If you are so focused, and we know they are, because they even went last week and they were vocal about it and talked about it before the Pats game, hey, we're focusing on tackling. We have to be a better tackling. We're getting back to the fundamentals. We're going to work on tackling this week. And the week before that, it was, we'll, we'll look at it on tape. We'll fix the breakdowns in the secondary We'll fix the the huge holes being given up in the run game. Well, we've got to sure that up. We've got to sure this up. We've got to stop that. We've got to fix this. We've got to communicate better. We're going to start huddling differently. Okay, that's all fine and good. Well, it's not fine and good. It's terrible. It's 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 awful, right, for us as as fans. But when you're so focused internally, you can't be good at what all good defenses are good at, and that is preparing for your opponent. Like, 
the best defenses in this league week in, week out, year in, year out, the best DCs are guys that are flexible with their game plan. They allow it to be team opponent-centric game plans that are designed to stop the team you're playing for that week. You study the film, you come up with a plan, here's what we're going to do to stop them. This is what we think works, this is what we're looking for. When you see this, it's a, a, a key for this. You see this, it's a key for that. Identify these things pound them into your head, be ready for this opponent, and we're going to go out and shut them down, and that's how we're going to do it. Okay? It's team-centric, game-plan-oriented towards stopping your opponent. How can the Browns be focused enough on that when they are dealing with internal problems and internal issues on their defense all the fucking time? You can't. There's no way they're spending enough time getting ready for their opponent when they have to sure up back-end coverages and communication issues and why you're breaking down week in, week out in the secondary, why you're getting gashed in the run week in, week out. You're trying to fix those things, and you're not looking towards how you stop the opponent. That's a problem, right? That's a problem. Now, I know many of you want Joe Woods fired. I am, I was there, right? I'll say this. I was there. I, I think he needs to go. Um, and here's why. And, and I, there's five questions I think you need to ask yourself if you're the Browns. Five questions that will determine whether now is the best time to fire Joe Woods as your DC. Okay. Mikey, you ready? Five reasons. Right? Five questions. Pardon me. Joe Woods, are you going to fire him at the end of the season regardless? I'm at a point where I'm like, yeah, pretty much it would take a miracle at this point to salvage his job at the end of the season. So, question one, yes, I think he's done. Are you going to fire him at the end of the season? Yes. Question two, does changing the voice seem like it would help? So, when I talk about the voice, sometimes coaches just can't get through to their team anymore. Like, for whatever reason, they um, aren't respecting the voice enough or they have lost interest in what the coach is saying or they're just not getting through them effectively enough to make a difference. And things like effort become apparent. Uh, the continued breakdowns that we've seen, things like that, seem to shine through in these situations. I think that changing the voice would help this defense. So the reasons I was against firing Joe Woods, and still am a little bit, 
is because basically you're going to be going to somebody less qualified to run the same stuff because you can't just change schemes in the middle of uh, the season. So you're going to one of his disciples or underlings in the hierarchy of Brown's coaching to take over uh, and run basically the same stuff. Now, here, this the reason this question is important in this, these five questions is because if it's a change of voice, then okay. Then, then I can still be okay with that because same stuff, same schemes, same players, new voice sometimes can get you different results. You have to be desperate, but it's possible. I think a new voice would make a big difference. The voice that it would be for the Browns, if they were to make a change, would be Jason Tarver. He is by far the most qualified. He has been a defensive coordinator before. Real quickly, uh, we'll recap his career. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh, he played, obviously. Um, he served as outside linebackers, defensive coach, and special teams coach at West Valley in 1996 and 97 seasons and a graduate assistant at UCLA in the 98 through 2000 seasons while pursuing his master's degree. The 49ers uh, hired him in 2001 as an offensive quality control coach. 2004, he was promoted to assistant running backs coach. In 2005, Tarver was promoted to outside linebackers coach. In 2011, so he was with the Niners for a good bit there, uh, Tarver was named co-defensive coordinator on David Shaw's staff at Stanford. So he goes from the pro game to uh, Stanford where he is a co-defensive coordinator. So there's his first experience as a coordinator, although be it at the college level, uh, David Shaw is a respected coach and Stanford is a respected program, and there at least was, right? Um, in 2012, February 2012, the Oakland Raiders um, hire him as their defensive coordinator. So in 2012, he actually was the D.C. under head coach then, Dennis Allen, um, and, uh, yeah, he was defensive coordinator before. So there you have it in 2012. Uh, he did make headlines, uh, multiple reports in 2013 when during a 21 to 18 Raiders win over the Steelers cameras picked him up, uh, yelling 
and making obscene gestures towards the referees after Oakland cornerback Mike Jenkins was flagged for a defenseless receiver penalty. Uh, he apologized after the incident, but was still later fined $15,000 by the Raiders for his actions. In 2015, he returned to San Francisco uh, and was hired as their linebackers coach under Jim Tom Sula. Tarver was uh, retained uh, when new head coach Chip Kelly took over in 2016. Um, in 18-2018, it was announced that Tarver was hired as the defensive coordinator uh, at Vanderbilt under head coach Derek Mason. And then in 2020, Tarver was hired by the Cleveland Browns as their linebackers coach under Kevin Stefanski. Uh, Tarver and his wife, Katie, have two sons, <laughs> Merrick and Keegan. They currently live in Cleveland, uh, but have a vacation home in California that they go to during the summer. Congratulations on all your success. Uh, no, seriously, though, Jason Tarver would be the guy to tap three times. He was a defensive coordinator once in the NFL. So if you're going to go to somebody, if you need a new voice, it would appear this would be the voice, right? So there you have that. Um, the third question you have to ask before firing Joe Woods, is effort an issue? For me, from what I've seen in the rewatch, in some breakdowns, yes, it is. For certain guys, it's not blatant, but it appears they may be going through the motions, and it looks like some guys are just flat-out quitting on plays. Unacceptable. When you get to this point with a coach, you have to have a real conversation about changing the person in charge because there is a lack of respect there when players are not playing as hard as they possibly can. Period. Are you desperate enough? This is the fourth question, okay? Are you desperate enough to hope that firing Joe Woods gets you that short-term lift that teams often experience when a coach is fired? We know that when you fire a head coach, um, there is oftentimes an immediate lift from the team, right? They're rejuvenated by a new voice. Uh, maybe they do some new things a little bit differently. But either way, it gives them, it draws a line in the sand and allows them to turn the page on the situation, right? And look at it as though it's a new situation, a fresh start. Under this coach, everything was better, quote unquote. Not saying that will happen, but it allows for that outcome, right? And mentally, for whatever reason, that affects the way football teams play. And there is actually a pattern of teams getting a lift in the way that they play and success immediately after firing a coach. So for a unit like this, you may get that lift for a couple games. The question is, and let me say this before I go on, it's a short-term lift. Like, it, it's, not a, it's not a fix. It won't fix your, your true issues as a defense or an offense or as a team collectively. 
but it can provide you a short-term lift in play. Um, so, are the Browns desperate enough to do that? I say yes, yes, absolutely. You need to win now to save the season. If there ever was going to be a time to get uh, a lift and a new performance and a new fresh outlook from the defense, now would be the time to do that uh, and hope maybe you get a couple games of a inspired defense uh, before they regress back to what they are. So, Yes, I'm desperate enough for that, and I think the Browns are desperate enough. So there's four questions, all yeses. So it looks like, yeah, you would fire uh, Joe Woods until the fifth question. And here's the problem. Because they're playing Baltimore this week, who is so different than anybody else you prepare for week in, week out, all season long, you are preparing for a team that runs the ball in a different way than anybody else in the NFL. Their scheme is different than anybody else's in the NFL. And Lamar is a freak of nature. And unlike any other quarterback or player, even you will face all season. So who is best to prepare this defense to play Baltimore? Unfortunately, it's Joe Woods because he's faced them multiple times. He knows some tendencies, and he's actually had some decent success slowing Lamar down, turning him over in the past. So I think that when you ask this question about the timing of it, I feel like that's a no, and you you would want him here at least for that game. I would then add to that saying that the next game is a Monday night game on Halloween, going to be absolutely insane up there, but uh, at Energy Stadium, Monday night football, uh, Halloween night, Bengals coming to town. You've got to have these next two. The Bengals game, if you look at it through Joe Woods' lens at this, Bengals game, he's had a ton of success against the Bengals. He's been very effective in shutting them down. In fact, last year he had a terrific plan against their uh, high-powered attack, right? Uh, wide receiver-wise, he shut. He did a great job against their weapons and uh, put together a good plan. So he has a record of preparing against Baltimore and Cincinnati and has done a pretty good job against both teams in the past Therefore, the last question makes you stop and say, maybe this isn't the best time to fire him. Although all other questions say, yeah, it's time to do it. This one says wait. And to me, it says wait until after these two games and you're on a bye week and you can make that change with an extra week in there to make whatever changes Tarver wants to make uh, to, you know, regather yourselves, reset yourselves mentally and um, in schematically. So they're going to run the same stuff pretty, for the most part, right? But Tarver can get an extra week to install maybe some tweaks, maybe some twists, maybe some 
changes to what they do at their core on defense. He also may want to make some personnel changes that maybe he has thought of, but Joe Woods won't make. Um, he can meet with Stefanski. He can meet with Barry. Uh, you've got Deion Jones coming in. How do you want to use him? Uh, you've got this Davidson kid at tackle. Uh, how do you want to use him? I think he'll be elevated for the game this week. But either way, it makes sense to let Joe Woods face Baltimore and Cincinnati because he's had success against them, because it would be really hard for Tyver to come in and prepare for Baltimore, who's very difficult to prepare for anyways, let alone having not having the knowledge and experience of preparing for them the way that Joe Woods has in the past. Same goes for Cincinnati. And even more with Cincinnati, Joe Woods has had success against them. So I think you have to wait. I want to fire him. I want him gone. I think you need a new voice in there. However, I think you have to wait till the bye week. That seems ideal. It gives you a shot. Your best chance to win is with Joe Woods for the next two weeks just because of your opponent. After that, that change of voice becomes relevant. You can draw that line in the sand. You can get that fresh reset. You can get the new voice in the room. And I think he's gone this year no matter what. So it checks all the other boxes. You hope to get that immediate lift. And there you have it. Uh, so those are the questions. That's why I think you have to wait two weeks on firing Mr. Woods. I don't ever like calling for people's jobs. It's not fun, but this is where we are, folks. Uh, so, tonight, miscalculation by the front office. Steve Podesta, Barry, Stefanski, I'll include him in that, and Joe Woods, uh, building this team defensively. Um, as you see trends around the NFL and their opponents have proven, right, that their lack of asset accumulation or usage uh, at the defensive line level, interior defensive line level, has created a problematic atmosphere. Same with linebacker. Um, you know, point two, uh, you can't ever be what you're supposed to be as far as preparing for your opponent, opponent-based team-centric game planning, the best defenses do it. They're different every week to stop the opponent. How can the Browns be doing that if everything they're fighting is internal? If everything they're trying to fix is what they're doing, right? If you're always fixing what you have done wrong just to survive without coverage breakdowns and massive holes in the run game, then how can you ever really truly prepare for the defense the way you should as an NFL defense? I'm not saying that they're not trying to do that. I'm just saying that they're not successful in doing so, and probably a big part of that is the constant need to fix who you already are. And then finally, the five questions surrounding Joe Woods, right? That give you the decision to fire him, but not yet, right? But 
let's wait till after Baltimore and Cincinnati. It would be silly to do that on Baltimore week, Cincinnati week, do it on the bye week. And I think Jason Tarver is your guy. And we went through his resume and why he's been a DC three times once in the NFL. There you have it. This has been another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. Mikey behind the virtual glass. Fantastic. Look for coming out right same day tonight, sometime probably after midnight. Uh, you'll get your Baltimore Ravens preview of 410 Sports. I met with them last year. They're great guys. I have a blast with them. We're doing a crossover show. You'll absolutely love it. Text EYEZ to 31032. Subscribe to the channel. Subscribe to Apple, Spotify, whatever you're listening on. We appreciate everybody out there. Uh, big news coming about the show around the corner. So uh, stay with us, folks. Uh, doing big things over here at All Eyes on Cleveland. For Mikey, behind the virtual glass, I am Brad Ward. We are out. podcasts.